0: We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we work and live, the Awabakal and Worimi people, and pay our respects to Elders past and present. We celebrate the stories, culture and traditions of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Elders of all communities who also work and live on this land. You're listening to Boob to Food, the podcast
1: with Luca McCabe and Kate Holm. There is so much noise in the parenting space, and we don't mean
0: the tantruming toddler. We understand it can feel confusing, conflicting, and
1: overwhelming. That's why we are bringing our years of experience as a midwife, nutritionist, and naturopath, and of course, mums, so that you can confidently navigate the rollercoaster of motherhood from boob to food and beyond. Each week, you'll hear practical wisdom, expert
0: advice, and inspirational stories of other mums in the depths of this parenting journey. Let's Let's dive in. in.
1: This episode was brought to you by Once Upon. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Boob to Food, the podcast. Hello, Luca. You're back, but not feeling your best. How are you going? (laughs) I'm okay.
0: I'm good. I think, I don't know what's wrong with me. I think I have COVID, maybe, Mm. again, for the third time. Anyway, some kind of random weird virus. It's either that or something else, but I'm self-isolating from you over here in my house. So yes. Yeah, it's, um. but I'm okay. I spent two days in bed. I was just a bit sad. I was meant to go to Sydney and had some like, I was meant to be on a podcast and have some meetings and then have a really fun sort of creative in business workshop, which I was looking forward mm. to. And anyway, couldn't go to any of it, but that's okay. It was oh, raining it here and pouring, so it was actually quite nice to just lie in bed. And because my husband was meant to have the kids anyway for me to be away, yes, it was not really any different for him, so I didn't have to parent through it. So that's the main thing. I actually was that's allowed so to lucky. rest. Yeah. I know. When do you ever get to do that? So it was actually yeah. – although I was so sick I couldn't even, like, watch a movie or anything. I couldn't open mm. my eyes. So it was a bit, you know, you always think it would be nice to lie in bed and just watch a movie or Netflix or read a oh. book or anything, but – I literally just slept for two days straight. But anyway, I'm on the mend now. I'm feeling better. But, Good. yeah, a bit of a sad, sad end to the week. <laughs> yeah,
1: welcome back from Fiji and straight yeah. into sickness.
0: I don't know oh, if I got it in Fiji. I haven't felt very well since Fiji. I had had vertigo since I got home and I didn't know if it was from, like, the boat and plane and everything, I, I wasn't sure if it was from that, and then it kind of just progressively got worse, and then it sort of hit me really hard. So I'm not, I'm not sure, and I don't know if that's what Will had when he was in Fiji, mm. like and he had that days of temperatures and virus. So who knows? Mm. But anyway, I, I don't own the rat tests anymore to, to test. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking around for one, but well, I'm not going to buy one of those. I remember buying so many of those back then yeah. and got PTSD uh-huh. from buying those. So. <laughs>
1: Oh poor thing. Anyway, well, I'm, I'm glad good. that you're on the mend. Yeah, I'm fine. How are you going? Yeah, I'm going pretty well. We've um haven't had anything very exciting this week, but I feel like I did have a week where the reality of three kids hit me a little bit. And um I mean, Imogen is great. She's you can probably hear her feeding and chatting right now. Um, but I do feel like For Bowie in particular this week, maybe the reality of having a new baby has really sunk in Mm. and it's nothing directed at Imogen, but she has just had some whopping tantrums, which they're so full on, honestly, like... The last two days, she's had these big tantrums where they go for pretty much forty-five minutes, and she screams at me to go away. And then I'll take a step in any direction—sideways, backwards, towards her—and then she screams at me to come back. And we're just in this dance of like she's screaming at top of her voice, "Go away!" And so I'm like, "Okay, you want me to go away? No. Okay, you want me to stay? Go away." And in that loop, and I really don't know what to do (laughs) because I you know, very much um, try to validate their feelings and let them express it. And at the same time, the volume and like, I'm literally holding Imogen in my arms. And then one of the days it was like, Bowie was screaming and then her screaming set off Jude. And so then he was crying and then the volume of the two of them set off Imogen. So then she was crying and I was feeling like I wanted to cry, but was the only person managing to hold (laughs) it together. So anyway, I've got Mike home for a few days and feel like I can catch my breath and have just, you know, a little bit of um, sort of me time still with a baby on the boob, but she feels the easiest out of the three at the moment. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was a big week emotionally just from that perspective because like you feel so guilty. And then, you know, once they move through the tantrum... She just like wants a cuddle or like then wants me to put her to bed at night, but it's not always possible because if Imogen's like wanting to feed or needing a nappy change for the thousandth time, then mm. I just I think that's maybe what's catching up, like so much of me just saying, "Oh, not right now, oh soon, oh, I've just got to do this, or I'm just feeding Imogen, I'm just changing a nappy blah blah, blah, so mm. yeah, emotionally, it's been a big week, but nothing super exciting, although. I'm very excited about our caravan. We still haven't taken it away, but I've like been spending so much time researching where to go and like looking at camping hacks and just that's occupying, apart from the kids, (laughs) that's the next thing that's (laughs) occupying a lot of my mental space, which is very exciting.
0: (laughs) Were you booked a trip yet?
1: We have. So it's my birthday in a couple of weeks. Um, So we, I don't know if this is going to be a good birthday celebration or a nightmare (laughs) um, because actually I realized that Jude is basically allergic to my birthday. Every year since he was born, he's been sick on my birthday, Um, (laughs) but we have booked to go camping. (laughs) So hopefully this is the year that he's not sick on my birthday and we have a lovely time in the caravan and I come back feeling recharged and celebrated. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I'll keep you updated. I know that might not be the reality. <laughs> are you going with people? No, just ask. we're staying in a caravan park. So we've got facilities, yeah. thanks to your advice. <laughs> do an easy first trip, not try to jump into something off-grid hours away. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good plan. <laughs> yeah. And then if she hits I the band, you can come home. Exactly. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't. The kids are excited. I don't think they fully understand... Especially Mm -hmm. Bowie, I don't think she quite knows, like, she knows she's got a bed in there and she's excited about that and we got some linen and, but I don't, I don't know how it's going to actually be when we get to bedtime and if they'll want to sleep in those beds, Mm. but fingers crossed. Mm. (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully. I mean, the first night's
0: always a write-off. I always tell people that, Mm. like, doesn't matter where you go. How many times you've done it, I feel like the first night you get somewhere is always a bit of a write-off with the kids. Yeah. like usually, Just adjusting? Yeah, just, it's like, well, it's like, I don't know, if you sleep somewhere different for the that oh, first yeah. night is always about sleep. sleep. No, it's the same <laughs> with the kids. And, mm. and then you're sort of on high alert too because, you know, yeah. it's just a different environment. And so I just found... Yeah, I just always think go to bed early the first night because it's always mm. a bad night and it always is. And then yeah. I think the camping tiredness comes in after that and then the heaps better. Yeah. But Yeah,
1: okay. Yeah,
0: especially if you've gone like a big car ride and they've been bent up on their energy and then,
1: mm. yeah,
0: new place, new environment, new sounds, you know, new bed, everything's new, they're going yeah. to probably wake up multiple
1: yeah. times. Well, and we also <laughs> at home have like the blackout shutters. Mm. So for them to go to bed, no matter whether it's summer, winter, it's always pitch black, which is amazing. Yeah, And we don't have those in the caravan. So I just, I don't know. I feel like their bedtime will have to be later because <laughs> I don't know that they'll mm. be able to go to sleep when it's still light. Yeah. Um, who knows? Well, I'm just trying to prep myself to let go of any expectations. So hopefully we enjoy it. And I think, yeah, we're just excited to to test it out. And I think it won't be until we've done that that we can figure out like what we need and um mm-hmm. hopefully get camping yeah. a lot more regularly from there. Yeah. How exciting. Very exciting.
0: Yes. <laughs> Actually well, today's episode we're interviewing, we're welcoming back Layle, who's like our third co-host, Lyle yes. Stone. If you haven't heard her <laughs> other episodes, I highly recommend having a listen because she's amazing. Uh, She's actually talking about, I guess, like separation, anxiety and attachment. And I found listening back, this is actually really fitting for me at the moment, probably for Mm. you too, because our big kid, your big kid, my middle kid is studying actual school next year. So we were kind of talking more in the context of daycare, but... I found, like, Florence did orientation this week. I don't know oh. if Jude's done any, but then she's wearing the uniform and it all kind of oh, hit me and because I was sick I couldn't take her so then I had all this mum guilt, like, my, my husband took mm. her, but I had all this mum guilt because I was going to go there and do the orientation with her. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, like, it's really hit me. She's going five days a week. And I thought by her, <laughs> I think because I went with Flynn it was so hard, like, school I don't know if you're feeling Mm. this but just that that transition that first time was just so hard and I thought for Florence it wouldn't be that hard because I'm already doing it with Flynn and I don't know but then I remind myself that she's her her own little person and I will miss having her around like when I was sick she was the only one only person my husband included to like come and bring me water and you know things like that check on me and just she's so sweet and I thought oh I'm gonna miss that like companionship so anyway and she's my most sort of attached child for sure and so I've always had a bit of worry about her transition to school and so I found this episode just really helpful even though we were talking more in like a daycare context for younger children Mm -hmm. I think the tips are still really relevant for us yeah at any stage when we're starting to leave our little ones so yeah I found it a really helpful episode and I always love listening to Lael's advice so Hopefully you all love this episode.
1: Welcome back to the podcast, beautiful Lael. You're like our honorary third (laughs) co-host. I think this is episode number three that we've done with you and we just feel so fortunate to have you back again. And today we're going to be speaking all things about separation anxiety and separating from our children. But just in case anyone's missed your previous episodes, could you just give us a little recap of of all of the amazing things
2: that you do and, and who you are? Thank you. Well, I um I've been working with families for about twenty years now. I worked in birth for a really long time as a childbirth educator and a doula, and worked a lot with postnatal trauma, uh, particularly with families that had had tricky birth experiences. Uh, I worked as an aware parenting instructor for a long time, so working one on one with families and running workshops and groups. Uh, I then moved into working with teenagers for about five years, teaching pleasure based sex education to teens in secondary schools all over Victoria uh, through. Three years ago, I opened my own school, uh, Beautiful Woodline Primary, which is based all on emotional awareness and a trauma-informed school, so a beautiful farm school just out of Geelong in Victoria, which is all around helping children, you know, really stay connected to who they are. We really focus on choice and autonomy, non-punitive discipline. Mm. Uh, We're all about helping children recognise how they learn best and facilitating that. So we've quite a beautiful, magical creation of Mm. our our school. Uh, I'm also a speaker, so I travel around Australia a lot. I work with the Resilience Project and I also do a lot of speaking uh, for educators and also just people around how we can understand children better and being more trauma-informed and also how we can know our stories more as adults. Mm. Uh, I'm an author, so I wrote a book last year, Raising Resilient and Compassionate Children with Marion Rose, and I'm currently writing my second book or struggling to write my second book <laughs> at the moment. And I'm also, most importantly, I'm a mama to three beautiful children. So I have a 23-year-old son, a 20-year-old daughter and a 15-year-old daughter.
0: Wow! Amazing. It's a, I'm surprised you remember all that every yeah. time. <laughs> it's a very full bio. You've it done so much, and all that's such probably amazing just offering. like the tip of the iceberg yes. as well. I'm sure there's so many other things you could was, go into.
2: I was doing a, um, a talk on Wednesday um, at this beautiful women's leadership conference. It was amazing. It was like 250 women and people coming up to me and they were chatting and. My sister in law was there, and my was like, So, what do you do? And I said a few things, and I looked at my sister in law and said, What else do I do? I can't even remember. And I was like, There's too many balls in the air at the moment. I don't know. I do things, I do lots of things. I seem to be busy. You're amazing.
0: And we're so glad to speak to you about this today because, Mm. yeah, leaving our children is such a big topic for so many of us. And I just, we just basically want to, I don't know. Get your brain and just say, what do we do and how do we cope with it? <laughs> because it's inevitable that we're going to have to leave our children at some stage, whether that be in daycare or with that be a caregiver, or if we return to work, or mm. if we just want some time to ourselves. And obviously, you know, there's can be some big emotions that come up for our little ones around all of that. And so yeah, we just wanted to pick your brain about this today because obviously we want to raise beautiful children who are really secure and who You know, we we don't want any trauma or anything like that, but also for ourselves and our own Mm. mum guilt and and leaving them. So that's what we wanted to talk to you about today.
2: Yeah, beautiful. Look, I want to start by just saying – that I hold a lot of compassion. Let's hold a container of compassion for this conversation because Mm. it can feel really big for a lot of people because I know after working with families for a really long time, you know, there's plenty of people that have to put their kids in care and don't want to. You know, would rather stay at home with their children, but they have to because they've got to work. There's some parents that put their kids in care because they need a break and, mm. and that's the only break they get and, and and you know, that's a real gift for them. And there's some parents who don't use care and choose not to. There's other people that are really fortunate to maybe have grandparents around to care mm. for their little ones or a partner who can stay at home. There are so many different scenarios and there is no right or wrong. And I always come back to this is that we are all doing the best job we know how. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was thinking about this topic this morning, you know, In an ideal world, you know, our systems and... How we care for young families would be really different so we would have more support so that people don't feel the pressure to have to work and not be able to look after their kids if they want to. You know, I think there's a lot that is to be said around how we look after the family unit in mm. our culture and our society. So I just really wanted to say that uh, I know everyone's doing the best job. They know how. And sometimes putting our kids in care is not what people want to do. Other times it can it's amazing, you know, because they're like, hey, I just need for my own mental health and sanity to have a break so I just want to say that you know we there are many many different places we can sit on this um on this spectrum here around this topic and I invite everyone to have deep compassion for mm. their own stories and for everyone else as we uh, as we journey with it
1: yeah absolutely and so would mm. there be I mean with all of that said is there like an optimal age that we should start leaving our children in terms of getting them used to being away from us or getting us used to being away from them? Does there seem to be like, yeah, a period of time that it's better than others?
2: Well, it depends who you talk to, mm. I think. And I think there's research and there's studies out there. And I'm I'm not an expert on this. You know, I absolutely say that uh, I think from an attachment point of view, what we do know is that that beautiful primary attachment to a parent or either parent, both parents in those early years is really, really important. And they say really for the first few years, if it can be with at those primary caregivers or a loved one, so that could be a family member, a, a grandparent or someone, someone that really, really cares and loves for that child and that one-on-one is usually the ideal scenario for a child for at least that kind of first two to three years. Uh, And then, you know, like here in Australia, we we start kindergarten around about the age of three to four and that's when we start to have more of that separation. So I think for a long time, you know, sometimes it was sold as, you know, it's really good for kids to socialise and all that kind of stuff and we should put them in care. But I think a lot of the research does come back to that ideally having you know, one adult, one child, or one adult and two children. You know, and having that kind of primary care relationship is is ideal for children and attachment. So that's that's kind of what a lot of the research says. Now, again, I know that that is not ideal for a lot of people because of life and circumstances and all those kind of things. So I think the thing is that um, every child is different. I think we have to remember that as well. And ideally, we you know we want children to form really close attachments to their their caregivers because we know that that sets up that beautiful safety and emotional safety but they also are able to uh, set up attachment relationships with other adults as well and that can be families, we said or it can be a you know daycare worker or it can be someone that's caring for them but the whole idea I think around it is making sure that that relationship and that attachment is secure and it is also really safe for the child. So it's going to look different at different ages, you know, and I think it's, um, you know, ideally we look at for the first few years where so much forming is happening for a child and they're learning a whole lot, that if we can have, you know, more of that smaller network with that caring, then that That is kind of ideal. Mm. And I'll say again, and sometimes that is not actually what Mm. happens, you know, and that we need to um we need to work and earn money and we need to look after other children or other commitments and all those kind of things. So we're all doing the best we can. Mm. But in saying that, I think there are so many things we can do to help children feel secure in our love and our attachment. Uh, you know, I know a lot of parents that I've worked with over the years that maybe are at home with their kids all the time, but because they're not meeting their own needs Mm. as an adult and they're not taking care of themselves, you know, a lot of the time they're with their children and they're they're really disconnected and they're Mm -hmm. actually not even present with their children. So I think it's an important thing to know. It's not so much about the time that we spend with our kids, but it's about our presence and our connection with them. Sometimes half an hour of real presence and connection is better than four hours where you're on your phone the whole time Mm. or you're checked out or you're, you know, you're sitting in your own stuff because you actually haven't met your needs as well. So Mm. I think there's a balance amongst all of it. And it looks different for every family. And I think that that's what's really important is that there's no judgment around it because we, we're we all doing what we need to. I mean, I remember when I became a mom, you know, I was 25 and I had my son, I had no friends that had kids. And I was in this battle constantly of... Um, I love him and want to protect him, but I was also like, I just need him to be away from me because I'm Mm. trying to figure out who I am. And I was running a business at the same time. And it was this really hard push-pull between wanting to be with him and um, take care of him and also just wanting to be me because I was Mm. still really struggling trying to figure out who I was as a mum. And that was really, really confusing in the early days of I know my job is meant to, you know, be here and be his mum and love it, but I wasn't loving it because I wasn't meeting my needs and I wasn't taking care of myself. And so there was a part of me that actually wanted space and distance from him. And then, of course, then you can bring up the whole story of feeling guilty because you feel like that, which doesn't serve anybody. And really, if I look back, I think 25-year-old me needed someone to sit down and say, hey, how you feeling is really normal. And we need to take care of you so that you are able then to turn up for your son in the way Mm -hmm. you want. Mm.
1: So interesting. That theme has come up in so many episodes, like not even you know, relating to this topic, we spoke recently to Dr. Billy Garvey and it was about technology, but we had the same sort of thing. It's not about necessarily, you know, the amount of time, like not on the screens, it's the, like the the strength of that connection and how you spend that time and um, same with working like Luca and I have both said how we love the work that we do and um, at the same time it really pulls on your heartstrings when you're like oh Mm
2: -hmm. I want this
1: for me and it's also providing for the family and you know hopefully being like a good role model and all of those sorts of things and my children are sad that I'm not here and we're missing each other and it's like Mm. I just feel like that's Parenthood, right? <laughs> kind of in this, and the mum guilt that just
0: comes mm-hmm. up in every avenue of motherhood. It's yeah. it creeps in everywhere. It doesn't matter what you yeah. do; you'll have mum guilt for mm-hmm. being with them full time, but not being present, like you mentioned, and mm. and feeling resentful that you're with them and tapped out. And then you have mum guilt for giving yourself the time. You know, even though you might be a more present mother, you can get that mum guilt again and it's like this is, mm. it just seems to creep in yeah. everywhere. You can't get rid of it.
2: And I think, uh, look, you know, a lot of the stuff around guilt too is, I think we we have this society expectation Mm. that we put on ourselves or Mm. what it should look like. And I think that filters into a lot of our guilt. And I Mm. often say to women, if you didn't care what anyone thought, you know, and we could kind of block out all the narrative that's out there, that's often made to make women feel really bad about themselves. Mm. Then we would come back to what would feel good for you and what would serve you. Well, maybe going to work a day or two a week would really fill you up and feel amazing. And that actually serves you to come back and be a present parent. You know, that is a really good option and scenario Mm. there equally maybe if it's you know in an ideal world you would love to just be with your children and and not have to do that you know like I think there is there's so much that we put on ourselves around this expectation of getting it right Mm. and I I really invite people to say we've got to put the guilt down Mm. because we're doing the best we can and if you come back to some basics of when you are with your children try and be as present as you can you know meet them emotionally look after your own needs you know when we meet some of those foundation things, then you are winning. You know, Mm. you are doing an amazing job. There is no perfect in parenting. You know, there's no box that you tick. If you do all these things right, then your children are going to grow up to be okay. Your kids are going to have stuff. Like Mm. we all have stuff, right? Mm. They're human and we have to have stuff. But if we can do the best job that we can around that beautiful connection and and, um, presence and all those kind of things, then we're doing really, really well. Mm. And, And, you know, when we're talking about being away from our kids, you know, what we do before and what we do after around that time of being separated is really important. So, you know, one of the things I say is that when we know, and we're talking about little people here, maybe under the age of three or four, or even five um, when we do have to have separation from the day for the day then it's really important that we get some kind of connection time before we separate and that could literally be 10 minutes of playing blocks on the floor it could be 15 minutes of having a wrestle and a rumble on the bed and giggle to really build that beautiful connection and love so that your child's feeling you so often when we do have to separate from the day you know usually it's the morning when we're doing that morning hustle and mm-hmm. we're trying to pack lunch boxes and do all. Things and get everyone ready, and so often we we don't have the opportunity to really connect in with our kiddos, and so that can actually make it really really hard for them to separate because they actually haven't felt us yet. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I used to do when my children were little, particularly when they were going to kinder, like a three or four year old kinder, is my husband and I would be like, right, I'll get all the this bit ready. You need to go have some connection time with them in the morning, and that could literally be ten or fifteen minutes of giggling and laughing while they're getting dressed, or just presence to kind of fill up their cup so that they felt that there was that connection there before they kind of then went off to the day, you know, or they were with somebody else. And then equally on the other end of the day, when you pick them up, understanding that they need to reconnect with you again. So coming home and creating space where even for 20 minutes or half an hour, you get to play and you laugh and, you know, you touch each other's bodies. Oh, that sounded really wrong. You whistle, <laughs> you, you, you know, you, you cuddle, you hold, they need to feel you, right? Right? So, you know, one of the things that we always used to do when my kids were little, we'd come home and we'd rumble, which is we'd come home and we'd have a pillow fight and we'd wrestle and they'd jump all over me and it's like they needed to feel me again and and I need to feel those little bodies for us to connect. And then often, you know, whatever had happened throughout the day might mm. come out in that beautiful you know, wrestle rumble that we're doing together of reconnection. So when we can kind of bookend, you know, that separation with connection, it can help that transition be a lot smoother. But it also is really helping the child sit up, hey, we were separated for a bit and now we're back together. Mm. And that strong, uh, that bond of connectedness and togetherness is stronger than anything, right? So, And that actually helps build their resilience on some level to be separated from us for a bit to come back together.
1: Mm, I guess it's that familiarity. It's like they know to expect mum's going to be here or dad or whoever yeah. the person is and then we're apart and then I know that when we're back together we're actually together. It's not, yes. you know, and again, I'm sure it's not perfect every time. Like sometimes you might be picking them up from care and you've got to quickly whiz home and start cooking dinner or whatever, but I think as long as we can hold it in our mind and prioritise it where possible in the ways that are possible, yeah. Um yeah, it's, it would make it a lot easier. And I love as well that you pointed out, you know, it will look different for different children too. Like some children might have a really heightened need for that, you know, intense connection and others might be okay to just be like, hey, mum, we're back. Okay. Cool. That's all
2: right. <laughs> I remember thinking, you know, my youngest used to call me out on this a lot, especially when choosing kinder in the early years of school, is I made a point of actually not answering my phone or having a phone call when I'm when I reconnected with her mm. for a good hour because she'd get really angry for phone rang and I'd answered it because you could feel her being like, but I haven't mm. seen you all day and I need mm. you and and I made a point of of just observing if I could just be present for her and with her for that first half an hour or an hour worth reconnection so I wouldn't kind of go and do jobs and I wouldn't answer my phone but I would just be present with her then the rest of the day the afternoon or the evening would go really beautifully because she'd meet that she, that need had been met in her of reconnecting of telling me all about what had happened of letting go of any feelings if they were present and then she was usually back in balance and we were able to move forward so it's so, and I really, again, appreciate all the balls that we have in the air, but even 10 minutes of just presence with our children mm. when we reconnect can make a difference in them being able to navigate, you know, those separations that we have.
0: Mm. I'm finding for, like, myself because I'll generally walk in and then it's kind of I mean, my children are in school now, so there's, like, after-school activities and things like that, and so there's not much time in the afternoon to see them still because it's like you get home and then Mm -hmm. everyone splits again. But I'm finding for me it's more like a bedtime so I'll, you know, We'll do that special, you know, stories, books, things like that. And I find that's when the whole day comes out. I don't know if it's my oldest son just mm-hmm. trying to put off bedtime. Um, <laughs> but it's when all his deep feelings come out and he'll chat. And But it's so beautiful. I'm also mm-hmm. so tired because then it's like 9 o'clock at night and I'm like, like, I'm really ready to wrap this up. But I love that it's the time that we get to chat and he, like, sits there and waits for me and looks forward to it. Aww. And it's just it's so beautiful. But... Yeah, it's just, and then whereas my younger ones, I can obviously do that earlier times of the day when, you know, they're at home different times and things like that. And so, yeah, it's a bit of a juggle when you've got three or more children mm. to yeah. to do that sort of individual one-on-one time. But even like you said, like we probably are only in there for 10, 15 minutes doing the books and stuff, but it feels like that 10, 15 minutes feels like a whole day of interactions in one. So I can totally yeah. attest to what you're saying.
2: I think it's really important that we remember, you know, we there's so much pressure for us as getting parenting right, but actually what our children want at the end of the day is our presence. Mm-hmm. They want us to just be present, to see them, to listen to them, to tune into them. That is what creates that beautiful emotional safety and feeling seen for them. And when a child feels seen, then that creates that safety. They, they have this sense within of that I am enough and this person mm-hmm person accepts me and deeply loves me and so our presence is really really important for our children and it's tricky in this day and age because we've got a lot of balls in the air and we're often moving at a fast pace and it's hard sometimes to be present when we're not present with ourselves Mm. and you know if I could gift everybody anything it would be let's all just slow down let's slow down a bit so that we actually can move at a slower pace so that we can have those beautiful connections not just with our kids but with ourselves and with our partners and with our friends and all those kind of things so that we actually can be in that presence because that is often what um, what brings that beautiful connection and love.
0: Mm-hmm. And so for those that do need to use childcare or do need to leave their child, um, do you have any other tips apart from those amazing bookends that you are talking about on transitioning our child to say daycare or to leave with someone for the whole day? to make that transition easier
2: yeah okay so the first thing I would start with is information which is so important for us as humans I think we forget that our children and little babies and us as sentient beings they're feeling beings right and we often forget I think to tell children what it is that we're doing so even if you have a two-year-old or a four-year-old or whatever it is still really important to give them information to say on Tuesday, we're going to go to care and what's going to happen is we'll get your bag ready in the morning and we'll pack some snacks and Then we're going to drive in the car and then we're going to get there and then when we get there, I'm going to read a book with you and then maybe we can do a painting and then I'm going to give you over to Jenny and Jenny's going to take care of you for the day and then in four hours, I'll come back and pick you up right so information is really really important and even though you might feel ridiculous saying that to your one-year-old or a two-year-old it's really important like we we talk to our children all the time I'm cutting up an apple for you this is an apple I'm going to change your nappy now this is what we're doing it's a beautiful respect thing I think but it also information is really important in helping us to feel emotionally safe so when we don't know what's happening or we don't understand for some people that just fires their nervous system into this doesn't feel okay Mm -hmm. right and I often talk about this when I'm talking to parents about, you know, some parents have children that have a great need for information, you know, and they'll be like, what time are we going and how long are we going to stay there for and are there going to be snacks and what time do we leave? And, you know, they want to know all the questions, right? Now us as adults, some some adults are the same, like what time are we going and who's going to be there and are there going to be snacks? <laughs> right? Like we, we do the same. Some of us have that great need for information as well. And when we get that information, it helps our nervous system go, okay, I can handle this. So the first thing I say is tell your children what's going to happen and who's going to be there and who's going to take care of them and how long they'll stay for and when you're going to pick them up, right? Now then the second piece of that, depending on how old your child is and how verbal they are, you may get some pushback which is where I don't want to go to care and I I don't like it, I don't want to be with you. And one of the things that we do, which is so well-meaning, is we then jump into justifying why it's going to be okay. So we go, but it'll be fine because you'll get to play all day and Charlie's going to be there and Jenny will take good care of you. And we move into the justification of why it's fine instead of actually just listening to, ah, I hear you, mate, you don't want to go to get daycare. And that feels hard for you. Yep, tell me more. And really what we're doing is we're holding a space for them to vent and say, it feels hard for me. And our job in that moment is not to fix it, but just to say, yeah, I hear you. I'm here. Come, tell me more. And if we can, just hold space for their feelings, which means they may cry and they may say, I miss you and Mm. I don't want to go. And all those things are really important for them to speak. Now, that could feel really hard as a parent to hear that because every part of you is like, no, no, I just need you to be okay. I need you to be okay going because it feels really painful for me, which is so true and understandable, right? Because it is hard when our kiddos are upset or when something tricky is going on. But if that's what has to happen in, in your family, then you know what our children need to know is that we are okay with it we are okay with the uncomfortableness of it so one of the other huge things that often happens when it comes to separations and that's either whether you're just leaving your child at home with your partner or a grandparent let alone daycare or kinder and stuff like that is our children are constantly feeling how we feel about it now this is a big one, and I say this is probably one of the biggest things that turns up when I talk to people about separations and drop-offs and stuff like that. If we have a whole lot going on around, oh God, this doesn't feel good, and and you know I'm feeling guilty, and and you know I I don't really want him to go, and and we've got all that feeling going on, then that is what our child's going to pick up on, and then that is actually going to add to how they're feeling of like, whoa, I'm feeling that mum or dad is not okay about this Mm. so it mustn't be okay and so therefore often a lot more feelings come up and then we see a lot more tension in the drop-off right Mm. because the child's like this doesn't feel good and it's not okay so I have to share a story with you about my third child because, um, you know, I played this out magnificently with her. Mm-hmm. So I had a really challenging birth experience with my third baby and and it was a bit of a life and death situation. And, and there was a lot there in our story. And so we had quite a bit of trauma that the two of us had to work through. So when it came time to going to kinder, Uh, And she was pretty young. She she was born in January. So, you know, she was quite young going to kinder, you know, just three, just about turning four. And it came time for the drop-off. Well, it did not go well for quite a while Mm. because all my feelings came up of, oh, my God, is she going to be all right? Like everything that was still kind of connected to her birth of, I can't let her go, this is going to be dangerous, was there in my body and my story. So every time I'd be like, we're going to kinder, I was like I was trying to convince her that it was going to be all right, but really within myself myself. I had so many feelings connected to it. Now, she was my third child. My two other kids had gone to kinder and school. Like, I knew the drill. But we had this dynamic going on where it was really around a lot of healing, around our own separation from each other. You know, as a baby, she was in the NICU. I didn't get to hold her till Mm -hmm. she was like six days old. Mm -hmm. Like, there was all that stuff that we know that's really important with bonding and attachment we didn't get to have. And we'd been working through a lot of it, but this experience of separation brought up a lot of feelings for both of us. And so I just wanted her to feel safe and probably I needed to feel safe. So I went to kinder for a whole term and sat in the corner. <laughs>
0: <because> <laughs> for the whole day? For the whole day. Oh, wow.
2: <laughs> I sat there, I'd read books, like, because she just wouldn't want me to leave. And I was so in my own story around it. Mm. And the caregivers were so lovely. They were like, Probably need to go, and I'll be like, ah, you know, but I was so in it and I was really blinded by it because I was really had a lot of my own trauma and stuff going on. And then I think it was getting to a point of ridiculous, where I was like, I need to go, but I was, you know, I was feeling, I was scared because the feelings were there for me and for her. And I remember thinking, you know what, I actually just need to say, I'm going to go, and it's okay for you to feel upset. And I also need to know that it's okay for me to feel upset. Mm. And you know, she was at a beautiful kindergarten, and the and the carers were gorgeous. And I said, I just want you to hold her and let her cry. Like, don't try and fix her; just let her be with her. So, the day I was like, today, sweetie, I'm going to leave, and she went into the night. No. Go And and I was like, I have to do this. And so then, um, you know, I said goodbye. and One of the carers just held her and then I walked into the coordinator's office and I kind of just sat on the floor of her room and just sobbed Aww. for like 20 minutes. And she just kind of held me and I was like, this was bigger than just a kinder drop-off, you know. Mm. There was a lot of stuff there. And I know from doing this work for a long time that that is a story for many people, you know, mm. that there's some big feelings there around when they were babies or perhaps even their own feelings turn up around what separation was like for them when they were a a child. So a lot of that can come up. So I think it's really important as the parent that we tune into ourselves to go, how does this feel for me? And if there's some big feelings there, then go and talk to someone about it. Like even if it's just a friend or a relative or someone, you know, talk about how scary it feels for you and have a cry and and move your own feelings because if we don't, then our children are going to be picking up on ours. So after we had that drop-off with my daughter, I had a big cry. I realised she's actually loved and cared for here. You know, they, they know her story and they are caring for her. And she is okay. Um, and then it totally shifted. And I was like, actually, this is okay. You know, it is an okay place for you to go. And so once my energy shifted, so did hers. Mm. And then we weren't having that, I don't want to go and it's not okay. She was actually really willing to go. So it took a few days and some tears. And I really just involved I really just listened to her feelings about it and made sure that I was still letting getting my needs met. And then she moved quite quickly so I think it's really important that we tune into ourselves around how we're feeling and the energy that we're bringing to that situation. You know, a beautiful, and I think this is an important thing to really think about is we want to make sure that we feel safe with where our children are going. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the trickiest things I say. You know, my parents say to me, it's really hard and I don't feel good. And I say to them, well, do you feel like the place you're leaving them is is okay? Is it a safe place? Now, sometimes the answer is no. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and if that's the case, then I really invite you to find another solution mm-hmm. because it's going to feel very hard dropping your child off to a place where you don't feel like the carers are really attuned to them or, mm-hmm. or looking after them well. And I really invite you to open up for other possibilities so it does feel safe and good for you. Because mm-hmm. if we know that where we're leaving our children, you know, they're going to be cared for in a way and, and they're looked after and their needs are going to be met and their emotional needs are going to be met, then it feels easier for us to go, you know, I know you're going to be all right. Mm-hmm. You know, even when my my older two kids were little, you know, they just wanted me a lot of the time. And I'd be like, Dad's going to look after you. And they'd be like, no, Mom we want you mm-hmm. and i would remember your dad loves you and he may yeah. not do things the way i do them but he is going to make sure you are loved and he's going to make sure you're fed maybe like you know <laughs> <plenty of> days i was <laughs> my husband, my like, oh, two o'clock i forgot to give him lunch and i'm like uh-huh <laughs> okay but they're cared for i know they're going to be okay same with grandparents they love you they're going to bend over backwards to kind mm-hmm. of make sure that it's okay and maybe they don't do it the way i want it i do it but you know when I get home and we reconnect, you can tell me all about it. And mm-hmm. we can unpack some of that if we need to. So, I think it's really important for us, as adults to tune into how we feel about it and mm. and then, you know, come back to, okay, I need to hold an energy that this is okay for you because when we do, that's the energy our children are picking up on. Mm. You know one of the beautiful things we do at our school uh, is. Um, you know, sometimes we have our, our younger students have hard time saying goodbye or separating, and we say to the parents often, you know, do you trust us to hold the feelings for your kids? And they say, yeah, because we really welcome feelings. At our school, and so one of the things our our guides will say to kids when they're having a hard time dropping their, you know, saying goodbye is we say, "Mum and Dad really trust us to take care of you. Mm-hmm. They really trust us that that we're going to love you and take care of you and and meet your needs." Okay, they 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 trust us to to care for you. Now, they're really powerful words to say to a child because mm. when a child hears that and knowing that the parents are feeling that as well, then it creates this beautiful container of holding for them. Mm. And, you know, what we do see is sometimes when kids are getting dropped off and they have a hard time and then our guides will just be with them to have a big cry, to let all those feelings out. We don't try and fix it. We just we're here with you, let it out, feels really hard saying goodbye. And they, they usually have a big cry and then they move on and then they have a really amazing mm. day. And it only takes a few times for them to be able to let out those feelings and really express them mm. without being distracted or fixed that then they actually have moved whatever the, the feelings or the separation pain is to be able to feel good again.
0: We'll be back after this short break this episode was brought to you by once upon we have both been using the once upon app to print photo books for years now i'm definitely getting a nice collection Mm -hmm. i take so many photos on my camera and have so many beautiful memories of the kids that i really needed to do something with them not just harbor them on my phone (laughs) so now i make photo books mainly because it's so easy to use the app and i love that you can make them as you go but also because they look beautiful and we just love having them on display for the kids or for anyone to look through
1: Yeah, I love making our annual book as well. It's such a nice way to recap the year and remember all of the things that we have done. I also love that it makes the perfect baby book and I'm slowly, very slowly, making one for Imogen as she grows each week and I know how fast that time goes.
0: They also make a really great perfect christmas gift and i'm currently making one for my parents christmas i don't think they listen to this podcast so i think i can (laughs) spill that on here for our latest trip to fiji and i love that you can invite other people to the book to help to contribute making it because my brother's a photographer and he's got heaps of photos instead of me having to download and add all of his photos i can just add him as a contributor to do it which makes things a lot easier
1: also, I am not a photographer, and so my books, they're not perfect, but I feel like it's really nice just having those everyday moments, and they don't have to be perfect photos in there. And Once Upon have also just launched a photo printing service. If you prefer some individual photos as well, they'd make actually really cute Christmas gift tags. So you can use the discount code boob to food for 25% off your order. The code is valid until the 13th of December. See our show notes for more information. Now let's get back to today's episode.
0: I guess that could be flipped around too, though, like the, you could say that, like, mum, I trust mm. this person to look after you instead of the daycare worker saying it who totally. might not have that Absolutely. language yeah. repertoire. Um, yeah, yeah. You could say it to them, like, I really yeah. trust Jenny, whoever her name is, yeah. to look yeah. after you. I really Absolutely. trust her. And then I guess it kind of feeds into our We're telling ourselves that too, like I really trust this person. (laughs) But it's interesting you said about the intuition because I actually experienced that with my middle child. It was after COVID and we were looking into putting into a daycare and she was about two and a half and we went to this family daycare that was really recommended but I just didn't have a great feeling but I was like, oh, it was really well recommended, Mm. like it will be great. Anyway, she absolutely hate it she wouldn't let me go and it was really really out of character for her because like she was a bit of a mummy's girl but I thought she'd be okay um Mm. and she was hysterical like not not at all would let me go and so I did the same as you I sat in there for two whole days Mm -hmm. and I watched everything and I just I don't know I just had this gut feeling I was like I just don't know So I ended up pulling her out because I'm not paying for this, so I'm sitting here all day. Mm. And so then we tried a different daycare and we had a complete different experience Mm. and I had a different feeling and it was, Mm -hmm. I I don't know, it was odd because this one was fine. It wasn't like it had bad rep or anything, but I just had this gut feeling. And then she still had a little bit of, you know, crying, but it wasn't as hysterical like, no, like something's Mm. really wrong here, mum. And I'm glad I listened to that. mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's such good advice, Elika, because I think – Our children know on some level sometimes what feels safe and what doesn't. And we have to trust our intuition Mm. and our gut. And I Mm. love that story because even though people are like, it's great, if it doesn't feel right for you, then that's what you've got to listen to. It's Mm. so important that you have to listen to that. And we want our children to learn to trust their intuition as well around what feels okay and what doesn't. So I think it's vital that we really tune into, does this feel like the right place for me? Mm. I mean, the other thing I say that's really important is that, we have to let our children have the feelings, as I said before, around how they feel about daycare. So, you know, when you're saying at home, we're going to go to daycare tomorrow and this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And if there's protests, just listen to the protests and and you're saying things like, I know it's really hard and I know it's hard, you know, not being with mummy all day and I'll be back to pick you up and you can tell me about it and just really listen to how it feels. Then when we also do the drop-off, you know, if we can do some connection time in the morning, which can build that beautiful connection, sometimes, you know, when my kids were little, we'd we'd get to daycare or kinder and I'd be like, okay, we're going to go in now. And they'd be like, no, I don't want to go in. And we'd sit in the car and I'd listen to their feelings for 10 or 15 Mm -hmm. minutes and they'd get it all out and then they were ready to go in. So I was just holding space for them there. But one of the other things I think is really great, if we can, depending on the center or the place you're going, is that, you know, you you do whatever you need to do for that connection. You read a book or you do a painting and then you say goodbye. And it's really important that you say goodbye. I, I don't mm. really agree with just sneaking out mm, because yeah. then children are often still on high alert and will often then be more attuned to, are you going to leave now? Are you Are going to leave now? Mm-hmm. So we need to say goodbye. And I know there's a reason why we don't want to say goodbye because it will upset them. But the feelings are okay. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important if we can get educators also to understand is that when um, a child is upset, it's not about, hey, let's go do this painting or let's do that. It's actually just being with them and, and le- giving them the opportunity to cry and let those feelings out. Because when we have the opportunity to let those feelings out, you know, then we are going to... Allow a child to come back into their center, into that balanced place where they're then able to move on. When we don't let those feelings come out, they sit just simmering under the surface. Mm -hmm. And then when the next day happens, we have to do DECA, then the feelings come up again and again. Whereas if we can hold the space for the feelings to come out, and you know, as a carer, and I know it's sometimes tricky when you're looking after lots of different kiddos, but if you can even just give five or ten minutes of presence to say, hey, it's okay to cry, and I'm here with you and you're safe, then you are building that beautiful connection. Connection of emotional safety with that child, letting them know, hey, I welcome your feelings, which again creates that sense of safety for a child, that it's okay to be there. And also they're moving whatever feelings feel stuck for them. So I think it can be a great thing to um, say to the educators or the place where you are care, hey, I'm okay if they cry. And can you just hold space for them and let them have the big feelings and then move on because so often the technique is just to distract mm. and you know, and then it's still sitting there under the surface and we want it to be able to move and the more that those feelings are allowed to move the more then children go hey it's okay to be here and it's okay for these things to happen and then the less likely those big feelings are going to be there.
1: Mm. I've had to like run a little bit of a
2: catchphrase
1: in my mind when I mean we're really fortunate and um, have set up i guess our situation in a way that the kids are only with me or mike my husband or my in-laws and um but you know even then there's days where like especially at the moment like i think the kids are really dialed into the fact that there's another baby coming and so they're not as happy for me to leave and it's really really pulls on your heartstrings because i am also really attuned to the fact that my level of availability to them is about to shift too. But I have to keep saying to myself, confident forward momentum. I don't know where that catchphrase comes I didn't come up with it. I've heard it somewhere. <laughs> but that for me feels really, um, that helps to keep, you know, like does not waver from like yesterday, for example, I was just trying to go into my home office. i not even leaving the house, <laughs> like at home, but working. And Bowie was curled up in my lap, and she's "Don't leave me. I miss you, mummy." And i was like, "Oh, I don't want to." Mm-hmm. And I have to say, like, you know, yeah, I know it's really hard when I'm not here. I can hear you really sad. Mummy's going to go to work anyway, and just you know, not be like, "Oh, well, maybe I'll I'll start work a bit later, or maybe I'll finish early." Like, I, you know, trying to appease that, just being like, "I hear what you're saying." and validating that that's real for you and this is what we have to do and it's not always easy but I do think that over time it's sort of like on both sides quite affirming of what you're experiencing and yeah it's um just like we want someone to validate how we're feeling about it they do too and it's
2: absolutely not
1: trying to be like oh well I'm going to go to work, but why don't you go and do this, like and that distraction, or yeah, like you said, sneaking
2: away, because inevitably the feelings will just <laughs> explode out later. <laughs> and I think I think we we need listening around it as adults. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's really important that that you know we just voice yeah it feels really hard mm. leaving them or it feels really tricky balancing this and and us having the opportunity to just vent and feel how we uh, feel around it is going to create more spaciousness for us to hold for them as mm. well you know one of the other things that can be so beautiful in helping our children navigate separations and um it is play and again mm. depending on the age of your child but when if you are starting you know to go to daycare or kinder and stuff like that playing daycares and kinders is mm. a great thing to do to help children process it so you play let's get your lunchbox ready and there's your bag and are you going and so and you play getting in the car and then we do this and then we say goodbye and what are you going to do or even better way to do it is you know children will often do the role reversal well, mm. they'll be the kinder teacher or the, the daycare worker and you have to go to kinder in school and There's beautiful ways that we can keep playing with that that help prepare children, but also they get to process what's happened throughout their day. So really to the lead up to... Schools and kinder for my kids. We would often play schools and kinders, and and they would set up the game and tell me what to do. And part of that is all part of the process. I mean, there's lots of other things you can do. You know, especially if you're starting kinder, is you know, go to the kinder, go and have a picnic in the gardens if you can together. Make it familiar. Like we children really need familiarity. So it's about being able to create that sense of connection that they can belong in that place as well. So going and having, you know, hanging out in the gardens there if you can or going and having a play while you stay with them, going and having visits, um, you know, maybe you even get photos of the different people who work at daycare and Mm -hmm. you can put them on the fridge so the children can go, that's Jenny and that's, you know, Sharon and that's whoever it is. Um, You know, and we talk about them so we bring that familiarity and connection in as well. But I think play is such a brilliant way for children to process what is happening and so playing those games, you know, if if it's age appropriate, can be amazing at helping our kids process what is happening as well.
0: Mm, It's so true because when you think about when a child starts actual big school school, there's a lot of, like, orientations and then, I don't know, with our school, like we did, we had, they had the buddy and there's that familiar person and then, you know, we, we met the teachers way before we started when we had all these things, whereas with daycare... You don't, like sometimes the parents might have a little orientation to see what it's like and a quick walk around. But there's other than that, it's just like, okay, there you go. Mm -hmm. Here here is a strange place that you've never Mm -hmm. been with strange people that you've never seen. And Mm. you can fully understand why that they freak out and don't want to go there. But what about if like, what about if it's been like a year and they still hate it? Mm. (laughs) Then like my sister-in-law has this occurred. her three-and-a-half-year-old has been going for two-and-a-half years and he still screams every mm. drop-off and she has to bribe him with, like, treats and things because Aww. he just <laughs> does not want to go and she has to work. And so she's often like that, you know, I'll, te- yeah. I'll tell her to listen to this about the connection <laughs> before and after and things, but it's like, you know, she's yeah. got to rush and go to work. But it's like that's been a long time. For <laughs> yeah. And, and I feel like there's just- a lot of kids that are still like that. Yeah.
2: I would say if that is what's still happening after a year, then there's something stuck there Mm. for the child. So they're not getting to the bottom of the feelings or or it's being re-triggered and reactivated, Mm -hmm. that separation trauma or something that's going on. So in a situation like that, I would have to know probably a bit more of their story and mm. kind of unpack a few things because sometimes it can be bigger than just what's actually happening. Yep. But I find when there's no change and shift happening, then it's there's usually a bit of the story that's lodged in there. Mm. And whether that is about what's going on for your sister, whether it's about um, her child, where there's just the feelings that aren't being released in a certain way, whether it's he's not really feeling safe in that environment. You know, mm. it's it's so tricky. I have so much compassion for it's. it's really, really hard situations like this because you say, I've got to go to work and I've got to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, my suggestion would be like she probably needs to have a session. <laughs>
0: so I, through, I, pass I, just, I feel like there's a lot though, you know, it's obviously her, but you see it a lot at drop-off and things. Even like my middle child is at a beautiful preschool and it's just incredible and so beautiful, but there's still some children that really struggled going there and I don't know, it's just there's just yep. some children that just seem to yeah, not get it, past that. But then they seem to have a good day, like you said, but it's just that still that drop-off is still hard or even you see it in kindergarten when they, I mean, our kindergarten over here is um, when they start big school. It sounds a bit different where you are. Um, But, yeah, you, like, see it at the kindy drop too, like so many kids crying and so upset. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think, look... Every child is different. So we have really beautiful, sensitive children yeah. who, you know, perhaps an environment like that where there's 20 kids and there's a lot of noise is really big for them and their nervous system and they mm. need quieter spaces. And that does feel really taxing on them. You know, there's there's children like that, that it feels big and perhaps smaller centers and more quiet spaces are, you know, more suitable for them. Mm. Uh, as, as I said before, sometimes our stories get a bit stuck. So particularly if we don't allow our kids to express their big feelings, it, each time we go back into that same space the separation the feelings rise up again mm. so I often usually invite parents if you are having lots of struggles to come back to doing at least two things to help as maintenance so like we talked about before connection time like special time so before you, you separate from the day and then when you get home like a good 20 minutes a half an hour of rumbling or wrestling or power reversal games where they get to be in charge and they get to be the the boss and and you know we go for lots to laughter and connection to help diffuse the stress that maybe have, have been created throughout the day. So really prioritizing connection time. And that, you know, that connection time, whether it's every day or just every second day at least, can build up enough connection and safety between the parent and the child so that the feelings that are sitting underneath can then come out. So the first thing I'd be really prioritizing connection time. And the second thing would be just being really curious about. Listening to their feelings, because again, the more we can kind of listen to our kids' feelings, and we've talked about this in our other podcasts, so if people are wondering, what do you mean listening to their feelings, you Mm -hmm. can go back and listen to the other ones, but um, what I mean by that is that children have like an emotional backpack that they carry around. And when there's a lot of stress and tensions in there, then every time something feels big for them, like a separation or you know not getting the cup they want or their sister doing something, then often those feelings just come pouring out mm-hmm. and it feels really big. And so separation and going to kinder and daycare and all those kind of things will be enough to kind of allow those feelings to come out. So the more we can help those feelings to come out at other times, the less likely they will come out when, the cat in situations like that and and what i mean by that is just that when our kids do get upset or they're frustrated that we don't try and shut it down and we don't distract them we actually just hold space for their feelings and let it out and again i think that first episode we did is probably a good one to listen to where i really talk about that being in balance and out of balance and helping children to um offload the big feelings that they're carrying so when we are seeing in certain situations where there's a lot of feelings that keep happening then i'd be like okay how can we do some more maintenance throughout the day so those feelings can come out so that it doesn't have to feel as big in those situations
1: Mm. it's so big isn't it though the the constant and I think like yeah knowing I mean I guess same for us as well that backpack gets topped up again so this isn't just a like one-time thing it's constantly having to you know create that space and knowing that there will be fluctuations in what triggers it and from one day to the next and just recognizing that and I think yeah we'll definitely link your previous two episodes because we unpack that a lot more around um yeah some of those signs to look out for when our kids are out of balance and how we can help to bring them back into balance um would that be I mean is there anything else? Because I guess like ideally we want to be raising kids who are feeling really secure and have that strong attachment to us and then also feel confident to have that independence. Is mm. there anything else that we should be doing or is, do you feel like that's kind of the crux of it?
2: Mm. Well, I think it's it's really important, I think, as adults that we are mindful about what we make things mean and also what we what we're thinking particularly mm. around our children you know so if sometimes our thoughts are oh gosh they're so sensitive and it's never going to work mm. and why can't i just drop them off well then we're often kind of putting that energy out there in a way that that our kids pick up on and then that's kind of what we're looking for we want to be able to see our children through a lens of they are amazing humans who are learning how to be in the world and some are definitely way more sensitive than others and we want to see i guess the power and strength in them, even when sometimes we can't see it. And that's the energy that we want to bring to them a lot of the time. So we have to be mindful about our thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember in those really tricky times with my daughter, Tali, going to kinder, every morning it was a kinder day, I'd wake up and I'd have this dread and I'd be like, oh God, how's this going to go? And and my thinking was really, and this, this is hard and why can't she just go? And, and, and really it was both our pain connected together, which I wasn't really ready to look at. But it was, it was big and I realised my energy was affecting it a lot. And so I think we need to be really mindful about that. And that's why, again, I say if there's big feelings for you there as a parent, go and talk to someone about it, get all your feelings out or journal it or just so that you can come back with a lot more spaciousness to hold for them. Because, you know, look, our kids are meant to go out into the world and figure out who the world is, right? Mm-hmm. And what helps them do that well is when they have a really beautiful, secure connection with us. So they know that we accept all of them, you know, the messy bits of them and also the awesome bits of them. We are attuned to them so we can see when they're off balance and, and what they might need. And we can bring that playfulness so we can bring that beautiful holding and boundaries to them. That brings that safety. So the more we are wanting to invite our children to be who they need to be and also to be able to step out into the world, we have to make sure we prioritise the connection first. You know, I think for a long time the theories have been out there of we should make children independent. Mm. We don't have to make children independent. Children will become independent in their own beautiful time when they feel connected enough right? So when they've got that beautiful base of connection and feeling seen and heard and and we are spacious as much as we can around them, then that builds that beautiful security in order for them to be able to move out into the world. So I think when we come back to what can we do, we'll keep doing all the beautiful stuff of listening to feelings, playing connection, meeting our own needs as well and doing our own work. The more that we can actually do that, the more we're setting up that foundation for them to be able to be out in the world.
0: It's probably important to to know not to compare your child, child mm. to other children because you know I've got three children. I've got Will and Flynn, my two boys, are very independent, very happy to go with anyone. Have always have been like they'll just say bye, mom. Like no issues. <laughs> Whereas then I've got Florence, who I you know same family, nothing's changed. Completely different child. Mm. Very much a strong like you know more that. I guess, attachment, separation, anxiety that she has. Mm. There's a lot of, like, reliance on me to do things. She's kind of always that hovering child that's got to, you Mm. know, can't leave your side. And Mm. it's just funny because, you know, she'll get independent on her own and she is and I can see her blossoming and flourishing. Mm. You know, she's five now and she's definitely coming into herself but very different to Will who is two and (laughs) way more independent than she is or, you know, so it's just important not to, I guess, yeah if you've only got one child you might be looking at these other children in daycare and thinking why are they okay and mm. not mine yeah. it's not a reflection on you as a parent or that you're doing something wrong it's mm. it's yeah. just sometimes how they are
1: and i think not I wronging think, the child's experience yeah. as well you know like mm-hmm. it's not like oh they're so sensitive like it's a bad mm-hmm. thing it's just as you say like finding you know the the strength and the power in how they are like yeah i can relate i've got a very, you know, sensitive boy and Bowie, like my daughter, is a lot more um, assertive. (laughs) She's still very sensitive and very attached, but I can already see there's those inherent differences and we parented very, I mean, I would think the same way, but I think there's probably things that I've processed in the time of being a parent at all that would be then different in their experience of me. But it's just like, yeah, supporting the child in front of you and and not wronging yourself and not wronging them for their experience. And I think,
2: yeah, there's just there's no one right answer. <laughs> You've just got to come back to all the feelings. Love, that's it. I love those reflections. And and if I give you the version of that, like for exact what you're saying, Luca, was is my middle daughter as well, mm. like super sensitive, really slow to warm. Like if we ever went to a party, she'd just be behind my legs for most of the party mm. until the last five minutes, right? Yeah. And she's a deeply feeling, beautiful, empathetic, compassionate human that, you know, has to do it in her own time. Now she's 20 now mm. and what I've learned over those years is that she will do it when she is ready. Mm. And so all the jobs she's gotten or whatever she's chosen to study, there's no point in me like, come on, let's, you know, do this. And she will do it when she's ready. And when she's ready, she flies. Mm. And she has been the most magnificent teacher for me to trust her timing, mm. to really trust her timing. She does it when it feels right for her. And, and exactly, I have the older and the younger one are like action out there, off we go, you know, whereas she's needed to do it in her own time. And that has been beautiful to witness and really trust her journey within it. And I think what you're both saying is so beautiful we have to parent the child in front of us, you know because they've got their own beautiful unique gifts and stories and and just because it looks one way for one, you know it might not be the other for the other and we need to be able to meet that where we can Mm. and own our feelings around it. I mean, Mm. there's plenty of times when Indy was younger and I'd be like, come on, like, can't we just, you know, like, and then I'd be like, okay, I've got to go slow. I have to go slow and trust that you will do it, you know, when you are ready and what is my priority here. My priority is to stay connected to you and for you to help you feel connected to yourself and trust your journey. And the more that I can do that, then the more you're going to flourish. And so I think it's a beautiful, sometimes those children are just the most magnificent teachers for us. Mm. They're just, they're so wise in their knowing of who they are.
0: Mm. And they definitely teach us to slow down, which is Mm -hmm. what you were saying you wanted to tell everyone to do so. (laughs) It um, might mean you're like late to work quite a lot, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is tricky, isn't it? Yeah, it is I mean that, that's a whole other thing. You know, the pressure of getting to the places on time doesn't really work with parenting, yeah. and especially on children, it's really tricky. And that's often where the stress comes up for sure. So, mm. again, in an ideal world, we'd have this like little window for parents <laughs> who have to drop off kids at kinder and daycare <laughs> and school. Yeah. Where there's like a half an hour, hour buffer. Oh, wouldn't <laughs> that be nice? Oh, my gosh, I'm late every day. I've just given up. I'm I'm like the
1: late person like, and even you know when I type um like I don't know if I type a text message to someone I, I'll say oh, sorry for the late reply and it auto corrects to Kate I'm like that's <laughs> actually quite fitting the Kate replied, <laughs> yes <laughs> well I laugh because we
0: are legitimately late to school every single day every day and my husband's like why are you always late and I said well so I have maybe so stressed and mm. angry and yelling at the kids all morning or I'm 20 minutes late and everyone is there in a time, well, sorry, not on time, everyone arrives like happy yeah. and connected mm. yeah. and has a nice day. And to me that's more important. Yeah. I don't know what the school thinks but I'm like surely they just miss roll call. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I remember having a, my daughter was in prep or something and there was a teacher and she didn't have children or anything and she was young and she was really enthusiastic. And I remember her doing a talk to all the parents and she's going, it's just as easy to turn up to school on time as it is to turn up late? And I was like, no, it's not, you no. don't have kids. And then I saw her many years later and she'd had two kids and I was like, how are you going? And she was like, oh, my God. I feel bad for all the things I said as hmm. a teacher when I had no idea and I'm like, yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? Yeah. It's tricky, so, yeah. It's all about stuff. reflective practice, isn't
0: it? Oh, <laughs> <Parenting>. yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. Oh, we could chat to you all day, Lyle. Of course, I'm sure we'll have you on for part four. We were thinking we need to have <laughs> yeah. you as an honorary co-host because yeah. your episodes are always the most popular because you just speak about things so beautifully and with so much compassion. So we thank you so much for coming on today and hopefully easing some of these uh, drop-offs and hmm. yeah, separating from our little ones and also easing a bit of the mum guilt and burden that we can carry ourselves as well. So thank you so much for joining us again
2: my pleasure I love chatting to you ladies so thanks for having me
0: thanks thank you for listening to boob to food the podcast we hope this episode made you feel inspired confident and less overwhelmed in your parenting journey
1: head to the show notes for all the resources mentioned on today's episode and if you loved this podcast please remember to subscribe rate and review see you next week bye